Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. So excited to be here. As he mentioned, I'm all the way uh, based in Stockholm in Sweden, so it's nice to be in New York. Um, I'm super excited to be talking to you guys today. Um, today we are going to talk a little bit about the product brief and how this can be kind of the primary artifact to help you in your product development process. Um, so kicking off, I'll first start about the, uh, talking about the existing challenges uh, that I have faced personally when kind of writing, distributing product briefs. Uh, then I'll kind of talk about how um, my team at Spotify has spent the past few quarters trying to combat these challenges. So I'll first talk a little bit about the writing framework, the exercises we choose to actually put ideas, goals, impact on the page. Then I'll talk a little bit about our prioritization framework, what we do to make sure that those are actually the right deliverables we should be focusing on and talking about with your stakeholders. And then I'll talk a little bit about the when and the where, right? When is the right time to write your product brief and how does it fit into your larger kind of planning framework as a product manager? And I'll leave you guys with some kind of general thoughts and reflections on our team's experience and then we will all get coffee. So, probably some of you are asking yourself what exactly does she mean by product brief? Uh, it kind of depends because it goes by a lot of different names. Some of you might know this artifact as the product requirements document, a PRD, product spec, product opportunity review, product proposal, right? And so if you were to ask yourself what is in fact a product brief, the real answer is that it depends. This is actually why I wanted to talk uh, about this topic with you guys today, is because this has been the most inconsistent experience in my career as a product manager. But so we're all, just so we make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, what, when I'm talking about a product brief, it is in some way, shape, or form an artifact that actors, and yes, I use that word intentionally, and I'll talk that, uh, about that later, can use to identify a clear business goal, the actors involved in achieving that goal, and deliverables to achieve that goal, right? So with that definition in mind, I wanna talk about some existing challenges that I have faced when writing product briefs in my, in my experience and career. So the first challenge that I often find is that it often seems relevant to a very narrow audience. So I actually asked kind of a, uh, my personal network, right, what they thought in terms of interacting with product briefs. This is product managers, technical owners, business stakeholders, and a lot of stakeholders said it often seems only relevant to the team that's building the product, right? I don't really know how I'm supposed to interact with this, right? It's very common for some of us as product managers to write a product brief for our team of five or six engineers, but then it's distributed across your entire business unit and you get comments being like, I don't agree with this, I don't understand this, uh, what am I supposed to do with this, right? The second challenge that I've faced is format. Every product manager uses a different format and that causes inconsistency. I am in full control of every product brief that I write Yet, both in content and in software, I change it up every single time. It's Google Docs, it's Atlassian, Confluence, Google Slides, right? So it makes it really hard for people who interact with you constantly in terms of new products 
to really grasp the TLDR, right, the summary. The third challenge is the when, the timing. Not entirely sure uh, when you're supposed to write the product brief. Because depending on when you write it, maybe it's before technical scoping, maybe it's after OKR planning, it could cause possibly days or weeks of revising, editing, going back and talking to your stakeholders, and that's a lot of time waste, right? And we're here to avoid time waste. So I'm gonna dive in to uh, my approach that my team uh, at Spotify has been working towards over the past few quarters to try to combat these challenges. So I'm first gonna talk a little bit about the writing framework. So typically, your team might go through an exercise or a workshop to try to get some ideas, some goals, some deliverables out there to start writing a product brief, product proposal, PRD, whatever, right? And our team at Spotify uh, usually is facilitating workshops of impact mapping. Has anyone heard of impact mapping, mapping before? Okay, a couple of people. I highly recommend you buy this book or check it out online. It's essentially a great workshop in which you and your stakeholders can work together to find the highest possible impact towards a goal at the lowest possible cost, right? So for those that aren't familiar, I'll quickly kind of walk through what impact mapping is about. So typically you start by facilitating a workshop. You yourself as a product manager can facilitate it or an agile coach if you have access to one. Usually you invite a wide variety of stakeholders and a wide variety of disciplines who uh, might be impacted by that goal. And I'll explain in a little bit. So first step, obviously, when you start this workshop is to identify your company goals, right? These can be just wide company metrics like this. Spotify is extremely interested in increasing monthly active user growth, subscription revenue, creator livelihood, engagement, et cetera, or they can be more specific. It's kind of up to you. But it's really crucial that you know what your team is meant to impact. Right? My team in Spotify is called Content Control. We are part of the Creator Marketplace mission. That mission is to ensure that creators can connect with their fans and make sure that creators can actually live off of their work. Right? We want to make a huge contribution to that livelihood. Right? So ideally, a goal that I am interested in making an impact on affects both MAU growth and creator livelihood. So knowing that I am on the hook for increasing MAU growth or possibly influencing creator livelihood, you come up with a goal that is relevant to your team and your stakeholders. So for the sake of an example, we can say that our goal is creators can easily control their catalog on Spotify to reach as many fans across the globe as possible. We actually did an impact mapping workshop with a goal very similar to this. So once you have your goal, you then think a little bit about actors. So why I said actors beforehand is because Actors isn't just a team, it could be a department, it could be a single person, it could even be an entity, right? So if you think about all the actors that could influence that example goal, yes, it could be artists, it could be artists in label marketing, it could be labels, but it also could be entities like local governments, right? Local governments is actually an entity that we have to think about a lot when it comes to goals related to launching in a new market, right? When we think about content policy, when we think about local policy. So what you do is in this room, in this workshop, you list all possible actors that can influence this goal. Once you've kind of gone through that, you then make a decision. Let's take two, three, four, five of these actors and drill in, right? So if you think back to that example goal that we suggested, um, artists, labels, our licensing team, 
and the team that actually builds tools for artists to be able to connect with their fans. Those are actors that probably have a pretty big impact on the goal that we're trying to reach, right? So you go ahead and select some of those actors to kind of drill into. The next step is talking about and thinking about impact that these actors can make. So think of it a little bit like an if-then command, right? So if we've reached this goal that artists can control their catalog and connect with their fans around the world, then what can artists do, right? If artists can actually communicate with their fans in specific markets, we're closer to reaching that goal. If labels can ensure that that artist's catalog is available around the world, then definitely we're closer to reaching that goal, right? And so on. And what do you do after that? You drill down even further, right? So you choose kind of impact that you're most interested in with this group, right? So let's say we want to dig in a little more to what artists can do in terms of impact and what our Spotify for Artists team can do in terms of impact. From impact, you actually think about the specific deliverables, right? So if we think a little bit, again, that if command kind of, uh, or if then uh, command, right? If artists can communicate with their fans in specific markets, right, that was the impact we said that they could make to help us reach the goal, then maybe artists can send notifications about a new release to fans in a specific market, right? This is purely just coming from your head, from insights from previous conversations, and it doesn't have to be an R&D solution. Maybe it's uh, we acquire a company that has kind of direct communication with fans. Maybe it's hiring more people to work directly with artists. Maybe it's host concerts and events all over the world, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be a technical solution as long as it makes an impact on the goal, right, that we want to achieve. If we look a little bit at the Spotify for Artists team, we said if they can provide artists with ways to communicate with their fans around the world, maybe one thing they can do is offer translation services, right, on descriptions and liner notes, right? Next step, you drill down a little further, right? So maybe we feel like this specific deliverable of the Spotify for Artists team is most realistic. It's backed up with initial insights saying that listeners actually interact quite a bit and have high engagement when it comes to descriptions and liner notes and bio and things like that. So if we drill down even further, we then come to our prioritization framework. Now, what you might all be thinking is, this sounds like a lot. I have a goal in mind where I could list 20 different actors. Each of them could have an impact in five or 10 different ways. And there's five or 10 deliverables for each of those ways of making an impact. But you don't necessarily have to drill down into each of them, right? One way that you can kind of work through them is this prioritization framework. This is pretty standard. Some of you might be pretty familiar with this, right? But choose some of those five or six deliverables that you were interested in, right? So again, we're back to this deliverable of Spotify for Artists offers translation services on descriptions and liner notes, and kind of run it through the framework that you might be familiar with. Right, first you think a little bit about reach, so the number of customers impacted. The customer here could be listeners, listeners in specific markets where translations are available, or it could be artists, artists that actually use this service or this feature, right? We have impact, obviously impact on the customer, but also on the business. Maybe an opportunity of this feature is that we monetize it. Maybe we ask creators to pay a little bit to use it. What's the cost of not doing it? So what does it mean if we, are, if we don't kind of localize some of our editorial content, right? What's the cost of not doing it? And then, of course, what's the effort? What's the effort from the Spotify for Artists team and possible stakeholders that uh, interact with the Spotify for Artists team? 
Two other ways to evaluate and prioritize that my team actually doesn't do, but we've been talking about doing, is social responsibility and sustainability. Social responsibility is um, one way to ask ourselves, are our products socially responsible? We already learned this morning that a lot of content, a lot of flow content that customers interact with day to day has a psychological effect. It distracts, right? Is that something that we want to contribute to? Right? If we go back to that possible deliverable of artists sending notifications on all the new uh, releases that they had sent out, maybe that's 10, 20, 30 notifications for listeners every day. Is that really something we want to be doing? Maybe, maybe not. The second one is sustainability. Right? I mentioned one possible deliverable is we host concerts. Right? Spotify hosted concerts uh, in specific markets where we feel like we have the most growth potential. And we invite local artists to come and communicate with their fans physically, right, directly. How great does that sound? But when we think about flights and carbon emission, when we think about um, construction, deconstruction of site, when we think about waste, is that really the footprint that we want to leave? Is there kind of a less expensive way to do that in terms of sustainability? Maybe. Right? So we don't really think about those uh, right now, but we have started to think about those internally. So with this prioritization framework, I highly recommend that you actually run your stakeholders through this framework. Some product managers disagree with this. Some product managers think that you should kind of prioritize with your team alone and come back to your stakeholders with results saying, here's what we've decided and why. I disagree with that. I actually think that if you have your stakeholders in a room, walk them through each of these things and evaluate together, it actually creates more empathy on the stakeholder side for understanding the choices that you're making. So definitely recommend that you kind of use this prioritization framework, walk your stakeholders through it, and ultimately make some decisions about the right deliverables that you should be working towards. And as you can probably imagine, all, uh, every single process within the impact mapping has all gone into this product brief, right? This physical document that starts from company metrics to a goal in which you can impact your metrics, Right? Actors that can influence the goal, uh, ways that those actors can make an impact, and deliverables to try to achieve that impact. Right? And then if you want to even drill down even further, let's say you pick three or four specific deliverables, maybe the MVP is just focusing on one. Right? And the fact that you have included your stakeholders in every single step means that they've already kind of achieved buy-in. Right? They've been part of the process. There's no reason for uh, you to publish this, distribute it, and say, hey, what do you think, when they were in the room with you the whole time? Right? It actually saves a lot of development time if you involve them from the start, from the ideation process, from the goal process, impact, deliverable, etc. And for those of you who do OKR planning, maybe you have caught on to this, but I have found that the impact that you work out through this impact mapping and the prioritized deliverables that you discovered with your stakeholders look a lot like objectives and key results. I don't know about some of you, but I have found that writing objectives and key results sometimes feels like it can come out of thin air, come out of nowhere, and a couple days before it's the next quarter, and you're scrambling, right? When in reality, you've been preparing for this the whole time with your stakeholders. So when it comes down to actually presenting your objectives and key results, there's no need to kind of explain the what and why to your ecosystem of stakeholders. Again, they've been part of it the entire time. 
And what's actually really nice is that if you include your stakeholders, again, during that prioritization process, a lot of questions or a lot of concerns that they come up with might actually lead to ways in which you want to measure success of that deliverable, right? Maybe uh, legal is one of our primary stakeholders at Spotify. Maybe legal, we approach them with uh, the deliverable of translation services, right, for descriptions and liner notes. Maybe they said, I don't know, that seems like uh, a violation of our contract uh, on licensing negotiation. Or maybe the Spotify for Artists team suggests this is going to be really expensive, and the quality of translations, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that we want to uh, you know, put our money on. So maybe possible metrics to try to measure those concerns is a great way to actually push forward with this impact in these deliverables while ensuring that your stakeholders' concerns and questions are met, right? So the final thing is the planning framework, right? So we talked a little bit about uh, when you write this product brief. Where do you write this product brief? It doesn't just exist in a silo. So my team has tried to kind of outline the entire process um, of how we are eventually planning to present our OKRs for this coming quarter, right, the first quarter of 2020. So right around now-ish, right, your company should have very clear set goals, either existing goals that existed the, this past quarter or possibly new goals if you're changing course. From there, we recommend that you actually do the impact mapping workshop within the first month of the quarter, right? You reach out to stakeholders that you want involved in the process a couple weeks after those goals have been set. You ask them to participate maybe a day or two days, depending on the investment, and you go through the workshop, right? You go through the writing process, and you have your initial version of your product brief once the workshop is complete. You then, over the next six weeks, go through that prioritization framework and review it with stakeholders, right? It can take six weeks, depending on some of you who might be working globally across the world, right? You want to make sure that you give enough time, enough energy, enough investment for your stakeholders to actually have a say, right? Involve them as early as possible. Involve them in the prioritization framework so they can ask questions and challenge your idea of reach or your idea of cost for a certain deliverable. So doing that over the next six weeks, you then continue to learn and revise your product brief, right? Maybe you started out with five deliverables and after talking to stakeholders, you realize you just want to focus on two. Or maybe you're really gung-ho on a certain deliverable and after talking to stakeholders, it just isn't going to work, right? So you continue to learn and you continue to revise. And with that, you have found the impact you want to make and the deliverables to try to make that impact, right? which usually translate to your OKRs, which we typically do about th two to three weeks before um, the end of a quarter. Once those are selected and Q1 rolls around, January 1st, I can easily distribute a product brief, right? That shows, again, from company goals all the way down to specific deliverables my team or other teams can uh, build, make, have an impact on, that can be distributed at the very start of the year. Something we also do is monthly rolling OKR check-ins, right? So this is trying to set up kind of a cadence or consistency in the learning and revision process, right? Because again, how many of us have uh, learned or taken a risk, right, on a deliverable saying we want to go in and six months into development, we're like, oh crap, right? Um, always checking in every single month on your OKRs, making sure they're still 
the right objectives and key results. And sometimes are you even still checking to see if your original goal, right, is still something that you should be focusing on. So this is something that we're planning to do that we're actually doing right now to prepare for our Q1. So when it comes to format, when it comes to audience, and when it comes to timing, we have tried over the last few quarters to, again, try to combat these challenges with a specific writing framework that's based on the impact mapping exercise, with the prioritization framework that looks at things like cost, impact, et cetera, and with a planning framework, right? Actually making sure that you have set times within the quarter to uh, execute, right, on these steps, on the impact mapping, on talking to stakeholders, on learning and revising, on publishing your OKRs. So I'll leave you with a few reflections and things to consider. As I was talking to my team, as I was building these slides, we were thinking, you know, what were our key takeaways, right? The first key takeaway is definitely the more disciplines you have involved, the better. Because remember, like I said, a possible deliverable is acquire a company that can do this for us. A possible deliverable is automate. A possible deliverable is hire more people, right? It's actually all possible. So to just have product managers and engineers in the room might really limit your perspective. We've had designers in the room, operations managers. We've had a general counsel in the room, right? So it's really good to kind of open the diversity of thought so that you can have a diversity of deliverables to choose from. The second is if you already have a solution in mind, put it aside for now. I have found, especially when I first started as a product manager, that once we have the goal, I go straight from goal to deliverable. And I don't really think about any other possible deliverables. It's really easy to have a goal and then say, I'm gonna build this tool that does everything for everyone, right? When in reality, if you have an idea in mind, Put it aside, something we've actually done is if you have an idea of how to solve a problem or reach a goal, write it down on a card and literally put it to the side in the room where you're doing the workshop. See if it comes up organically and see if it comes up from somebody else, right? But obviously don't be biased and just push your solution. Be open to different perspectives, right? Different perspectives in the room in terms of impact we can make and deliverables to reach that impact. Avoid any single point of failure. Right, so if we're gonna go through this process and then I go on vacation for two weeks, process shouldn't stop, simply put. In Sweden, uh, it's common to say that uh, the entire summer or the entire second or third quarter doesn't exist because people actually go on vacation for four, five, or six weeks, right? That's a lot of product, product development time that could be wasted. We wanna make sure that we don't slow down, right? We wanna keep fast momentum. So just making sure that you always have an additional facilitator, additional contributors, et cetera. Have a concrete feedback loop for learnings and revisions. It's really easy to try to go through this process and just kind of handle it via email, via Slack. We try to have a very specific agenda, specific purpose for every time we meet with a stakeholder. We go through the product brief together and we go through actually a physical prioritization framework matrix with them. So we have things printed out. That's just what we do. I recommend that you try something else, right? But making it a concrete feedback loop, I think is really important, saves a bit of time. And then of course, 
once you try it, share it, right? So I highly recommend, if you guys want to try this, you should. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.